This is DVM Loading, a podcast about the life of professional students from a veterinary perspective. With your hosts, Carling Hemstreet and Caitlin Marr, we go through the daily life of being in veterinary school with a fun twist. Let's get loading! Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of DVM Loading with your hosts, Carling Hemstreet and Caitlin Marr. Caitlin, how have you been doing this week? I've been doing good, thank you. It's just been another day at the at the SVM uh, classes all week, and our Wednesdays are pretty fun. Uh, I really liked that I got to get out on time at noon on Friday uh, this week, so that's so that's always a plus. That's something really yeah. cool about our program is we get a half day on Fridays. Yeah, I do love those half days. That's How has your week been? My week's been good. It's been really busy, but not as bad as last week. I feel like last week was just crazy, but um, caught up on a lot of things, and now we're moving on to physiology. Yeah, again. Again. This one is going to be fun. The GI is pretty neat. I liked nutrition in undergrad, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand with some of it. I did bad in, like, animal nutrition, but I did well in equine nutrition, so I don't know if it was just me or if it was the class or what it was. So hopefully I do better in this this class than I did in my previous classes. Yes. But, so today, listeners, uh, we wanted to start you off with a really fun story um, titled Ricky Bobby, <laughs> um, which basically we wanted to talk about how should you get a camera in your room or in your house so that you can watch your dog while you're away from the house? The answer is uh, yes. <laughs> Because you have a camera in your house. I do. So the whole reason behind the Ricky Bobby title is our good friend Megan had started this whole chain reaction of us getting cameras. Not me. I'm not part of this group. That's true. Uh, Her and Kaylee are the only two people in our row that do not have a pet camera. (laughs) And so. I mean, I kind of want one, but I don't want to spend the money on one. It was really cheap, like 30 bucks on Amazon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Megan was watching her dogs one day in so- in in one of the classes. I can't even remember what class it was, but I had my <laughs> iPad open watching Casey and Aspen, my dogs, and Megan had hers open watching Ricky Bobby and Lacey. And all of a sudden, we're in in the middle of class, like professors are teaching. I think it was physiology. I want it to might say have it been was like Dr. Chelicani talking. Yeah. And the the thing we hear is her whisper yelling Ricky Bobby <laughs> because he had peed on his bed or something in in the house and she was trying to yell at him because you can you can talk to we have them. a microphone you can even yeah. set an alarm off mm-hmm. and and uh, I've learned that it does scare them but it gets them to stop doing what they're not supposed to <laughs> um so that was just kind of like a fun little story we wanted to share uh, about Ricky Bobby. <laughs> he is so Bobby. funny. She literally was over there going, Ricky Bobby, Ricky Bobby, like <laughs> like whisper yelling, trying not to be loud, but definitely trying to be stern. Yeah. And that was, <laughs> we, we were like, Megan, you, you can't, you can't. <laughs> reprimand your dog in the middle of class <laughs> and we all died laughing so hard i mean doubled over trying to but still trying to keep it calm because we're in the <laughs> middle of class yeah. um i definitely have found myself in some of those situations with my camera uh casey my dog he loves to chew up tissues or toilet paper he was having the time of his <laughs> life when we were watching him tear up that <laughs> tissue box yeah so i had a brand new box 
box of Kleenexes on my nightstand, and he got it, and he shredded it to pieces. It looked like it snowed in my bedroom. And we were in the middle of class again, and I just had to sit there and watch him. And, <laughs> and Sydney told me, she's like, Caitlin, just stop. And then you, another time, had told me, like, just stop watching him. Just turn it off. And usually, so I had to. Usually it entails Caitlin sitting there and going, look how cute my little doggies are. Yes. My little chicken nuggies. They are precious. I just get to watch him sleep, and I got to watch him, like, wrestle and play together. Yeah. And then the camera rotates, so mm-hmm. I can watch you know, what they're doing at one end of the bed or, like, if Casey stands up to look out the window and stuff. <laughs> uh, we're all very helicopter-type uh, pet parents. I mean, I saw... Uh, I don't remember where I saw it, but the argument for a pet camera is that if, if they do eat something or if they you come home and they're vomiting and you don't know what they ate, like, you know exactly what they did during the day. Yeah. So, I mean, there are medical upsides to it. Uh, I feel like I definitely would just spend all my time watching Dan at home, <laughs> and I I just know that I would get sucked into it, and so that's also another reason why I haven't gotten, or I would just feel like a crappy pet parent. Yeah. You know, because, yeah. like, we're here, and there, I remember one time you were like, I have to go home for lunch, there's all sad without me. Yes, Casey was sad howling in front of the door, and it made me so sad. I was like, I can't, I can't be here right now. I gotta go see, I gotta go be with them. (laughs) And I was like, I can't do that. I don't want to set myself up for failure, you know? Yeah, and so it definitely is hard. In vet school, you battle feeling like a bad pet parent, but at the end of the day, you know, they're going to be just as excited regardless if you're gone for 30 minutes or six plus hours. You're looking out for their future. Their yeah. Their future vet, vet bills. Yeah. So I guess what Carling was saying is, yeah, there is an actual legit good thing for it other than just admiring how cute your dogs are like I do. And so it is It is nice, especially when you have some curious ones that like to get into things. <laughs> yeah. So if you were on the fence, I mean... I recommend it. I, I mean, I recommend it. I do enjoy watching Ricky Bobby, Lacey, Casey, and Aspen. Yeah. On, on, and sometimes Boone. And Jolene. And Jolene. But Jolene just sits in her bed. I, I know. see her doing anything. Bailey so. has to scream Jolene over the microphone to see if she's still alive. Because <laughs> she's like, yeah. I feel so like I Jolene can't see her. So Jolene is this little... Is she a teacup Yorkie or is she just a regular I think she's got to be. She's like she's four teeny. pounds. She's teeny tiny. But yeah, Jolene is Bailey's dog and she's she's the cutest little thing. But yeah, she has her little crate uh, that Bailey puts her in during the day and uh, you can't even see her above her bed. No, you can't. And so if she doesn't see any movement, Bailey will put over the, the microphone, she'd be like, Jolene, wake up. And then she'll pop up and, and Bailey, Bailey's like the ultimate helicopter mom with Jolene. I love it though. And she, she's like, okay, I can breathe easy. She's alive. <laughs> I think the funniest thing that I ever heard about Jolene was, uh, she actually does react to the song. So like, if you say Jolene, really? like you play Jolene, like she'll look around and she'll be like, why, oh. why does my name keep on being said? Okay. Yeah. I need to, I need to see that. That's pretty yeah, neat. That's what, that's what Bailey told me. I thought it was pretty cute. Yeah. Well, so back to that, the camera I recommend, I think it's cheap enough and it gives you something to do. Cause I live, 
you know, too far away to go home during lunch all the time. And so being able to just look at them and check on them and see if they're okay. Another thing too is, I mean, it can double as like a security camera. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be gone or something, like you can just kind of check stuff up. It does. It backs it up to its own cloud. Yeah. 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 So like if you do have someone break into your house, you can always like have that footage too. So absolutely. I mean, there's practical sides. I'm not saying it's impractical. Uh, I just haven't hopped on the, yeah. the can't pet camera train. It's pretty fun, though. We like to, sorry to our professors, you know, but. <laughs> so Man, they're going to listen to this I and know. be like, what are they doing in my class? Are they looking at our dog? They're going to come walk by our row and be really like, are. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, but Maybe we do pay attention, I promise. <laughs> Maybe this backfired. <laughs> it's okay. The people needed to know. Um so, Carling, what's our what's our main topic we're going to talk about today? So, the main thing that we wanted to talk about today, and it's kind of a broad uh, concept, but if we were going to talk about communication and how important communication is in vet school, in, as a veterinarian, and uh, in life, really. So, um, we are going to touch on how to communicate with like professors, with classmates, uh, as well as as clients. So. Um, I think we're going to start off with talking about professors because sometimes, I mean, especially when you're you're starting out as a little 1VM first-year vet student, uh, they can be kind of scary, uh, you know, and, and but here, at least here at Texas Tech, they really do value our feedback with what, how they're teaching and what they're teaching. So they, like, being open and communi- communicative, is that a word? I think so. I think that's a word. Uh, to to actually interacting with them is is not only good for the class in terms of what they're teaching, making sure that you understand it, and it's also good for them because it helps the future classes uh, with with how the professor is teaching it. Um, so that's how, that's how I feel about it. What do you think, Caitlin? Yeah, I definitely coming from Texas A and M and my undergrad professors were kind of holier than thou and so you were kind of small fish to go talk to them and and ask them questions and things and you really couldn't seek them outside of their strict one hour office hours and so coming here I was hopeful that the culture was different which I knew the moment I stepped foot on this campus that it was different and so I was really excited to find out you know after the first week or so you get over your nerves a little bit and you start reaching out to your professors, the faculty, the staff, and everyone is so friendly. They greet you with a smile. They are actually interested in you, know you by name, by the first month of school. Um, and so I think it's pretty cool that you're not a number here at mm-hmm. Texas Tech. That's something that I think we should pride ourselves on mm-hmm. because we are very uh, personal with our our students and our staff mm-hmm. and everything. So. Professors can be scary. Sure, there's some of them, and they have so many letters behind their names. They are all jeweled up. They are they are awesome, like talented, talented uh, doctors. And so, of course, you're a little nervous going and talking to them. You don't want to sound dumb, but uh, at the end of the day, you have to realize that there's still people, too, and they are not always going to throw big, elaborate doctor words at you or anything, and, and that you're actually more alike than you are different. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, too, and this is more of a mindset thing, is that you're going to be one of their colleagues, especially, I mean, if they have a DVM, you know. Um, You're you're in school to learn to practice at the same level that they're going to practice at. And probably one of their goals is for us to practice better than they do. Um, So, I mean, I think that's something that our professors here do, and I, I hope 
at other vet schools, we'd have to reach out to some of our friends yeah. to see if they feel the same way. But, but I mean, especially here, uh, I mean, we'll we'll sit down in the atrium and just shoot the breeze with some of our professors. And yeah. I mean, we I don't for the most part don't call a whole lot of them by you know doctor last name. I, I typically call them by their first name for the most part. Yeah, um, I agree. And there are some that I mean, we were talking about Guy in our last episode, our dean, and he does not let us call us Dean Guy. Or dean. He gets mad. He gets mad, <laughs> you know, and like he wants to be called Guy, and 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 I think that's a philosophy that a lot of our professors here have, and I think that's something that's special and unique, and it's because they treat us like we're colleagues, and and that's also how you should think about it as a student. Um, you should you should almost expect that kind of respect because that's what you're here to do. Yeah. Know? So it's it's a different kind of mindset than undergrad, uh, and I and I think I should encourage everyone to take advantage of of if you're in a professional program, like take advantage of the people that you're around because it's going to be the largest community of people with as many letters behind their name as you're gonna, ever going <laughs> to be in. Uh, probably for the rest of your life, you know? So, like, take advantage of it and, and really try to glean everything from, from the people that you're surrounded by as much as you can. I agree, and I, I agree with what you're saying about their kind of teaching us and growing us to take over their shoes, do bigger, better things. Um, they're also really good about trying to not let us fall on our butts too much, too. Um, they've been there, done that, learned the hard way. So they're all welcome, welcoming, and they're going to teach you kind of the tips and tricks to where you don't make as many mistakes as them. And they're very open and honest about their successes and struggles as a practitioner. And I think that that's pretty remarkable. Um, the whole first name basis thing, it's awesome. I myself still like to refer the, to them as a doctor sometimes, but it's not something that I feel awkward about, um, you know, where at other schools or in undergrad, I was maybe a little nervous to not call them by Dr. XYZ. Mm-hmm. They'd be and, mad if you didn't yeah. call them by Dr. XYZ. And, and so another thing is, is what Carling was saying is the um, feedback we get feedback and I think a cool thing is is that after every kind of skills encounter we do they ask can I give you feedback are you ready for feedback and you have you know you can say yes or no and they'll give it to you and you can give them feedback as well and so like today uh last week for example uh during one of our clinical skills lab our take-home quiz was talking about feedback and how our professors can do better or if we liked something, what we liked about it. And I think you just don't get that anywhere else. Like, we're a new program, so we're trying to grow and set standards. And I think that there's no other, you know, there's no better way to set standards than to treat your, uh, us all as equals. One thing that really stuck out to me was Dr. Roof wrote me a letter of recommendation, um, And in one of the sentences, he was saying that, you know, I highly recommend Caitlin and uh, I can't wait to be her colleague one day or to welcome her as a colleague one day. That really just kind of stuck out and tugged on the heartstrings. And I was like, wow, Um, you know, to have a a veterinarian consider me a colleague already when I I only know (laughs) a wee bit is pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like they have way more faith in me than I have in myself. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, like, they're like, you're going to be great. And I'm like, oh, but did you see that last test? Like, yeah. Uh, man. But I mean, we'll get into this in other episodes, but your grades don't define you. So, yeah. Um, I think Dr. Mills would probably 
I think she shouted at that at me yeah. one time. Yeah, she sure. she was the one that talked to me about my parasite grade last week. You know, yeah. I was upset about it, and she was like, "Girl, don't even worry about it. It's so small in the mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of what vet school it is." is. It is. But that's a topic for another day. We're here talking about communication for sure. Um, so next, we wanted to talk about communication with classmates, which is another uh, thing that I think. Uh, just in your day-to-day interactions is a really big thing just because, you know, I mean, you want your class to get along. You want everyone to be able to work together and, and solve problems and learn as, as a group and as well as treating each other like peers, you know, um, with what we're learning and, and, again, to be colleagues one day. So I think, I think it's something that's really special that each class, uh, I mean, here and at other schools, that we get to form that, that tight-knit community almost and especially here with us only being 85 um, it can be even closer you know so I really enjoy um, our whole entire class shout out to class at 26 <laughs> um, but but I, I enjoy coming to school every day and learning with them and um, figuring out how to solve problems um, and I, and I think we've had some hiccups here and there. I mean, when 85 people get together, I mean, there's bound to be some hiccups as well as, I mean, you're not going to be best friends with 85 people. For sure. You know, like, there there's going to be pockets here and there, but it, there's a difference between pockets of friends and, like, cliques, you mm-hmm. know? And and I think it's okay to have pockets of fran- friends, but as long as you can go outside of that and feel comfortable talking to anyone else outside of it, I think you're doing a grand old job of being a good peer. You know, so I agree. Um, and I think everyone also communicates differently. And so learning how to communicate effectively with other people is not only going to help you with your classmates, but I mean, also as you, you go on in life with clients, you know, um, the way I think I learned when I was working in my small animal clinic was that each doctor had their own kind of style of client because of who they were and how they communicated. Like there was one doctor that was straight to the point, like didn't sugarcoat anything. He just like, you know, went straight into it. And then there was another that wanted come in, came in and he was like, oh, how are the kids? Like, how are your other dogs? Like, how are the grandkids? And he would like chit chat with them. And his clients really liked that about him. But but the other doctor's clients didn't like that. Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, I think that's the difference in personality and I mean, in how they communicate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you that starts you start learning that here while you're in vet school. Yeah, I agree with all of that. It kind of goes along the lines of this is a home that we all share now. And so we're, we're stuck with each other for four years. Love all of y'all. Um, and it's something you just got to not step on each other's toes. We're all different. We're very unique people. And that is something that's our biggest benefit. Our biggest asset is that we're all different. We come from different walks of life. And every day I learn something new um, from someone, I'd like to think. Some days I'm just so busy (laughs) studying. But uh, it's really neat because we're all so different, have different experiences and output, uh, like outlooks on life and where we've come, been, and everything. So I like how diverse we can be and are. And I hope that that's something we continue to grow uh, in this program. Communicating with your classmates can be tricky because we're all kind of in a weird age range. Mm -hmm. Um, You have some that have uh, significant others, husbands, wives, and then you have some that have children, some that are just barely turning 21. Shout out to our little babies. (laughs) Um, And so it's kind of different, but I like it. 
And uh, you just kind of have to remember to respect each other and the goal you're a professional. And so what you say can and will affect your profession for the rest of your life for as long as those people remember it. And so kind of learning to listen and not necessarily just jump and talk about things is the best. And like Carling said, we've had hiccups here and there, but that's just growing pains. This is a new program. Um, we're not the only class that has ever had growing pains. I bet if we sent a survey out to all vet schools, all of their classes would have, you know, some data to expand upon this. With that being said, we were all adults and professionals and able to overcome everything. So I think at the end of the day, keeping in our mind the bigger goal here of getting through vet school and, and making it the most memorable and, I guess, um, I don't know, just getting to the point is, uh, is, our, is our main goal. We want to make sure we can learn everything out of the opportunities we're given. Mm -hmm. And kind of like going back to talking with the professors, I mean, we, we still email and have, you know, unofficial office hours and stuff. So it's, it's, there's still structure to it for mm -hmm. sure. But communication is important and it's only going to help us get better and learn to communicate with clients in the future because you're going to have some that are great and some that are, you know, that test you a little bit more. Yeah. Well, and, and I think getting more into the client interactions, and I, I know we've had many because we've worked in a vet clinic before. Um, it You know, there are some people that you just can't satisfy, you know, mm -hmm. so like no matter what you say, they're they're not going to be satisfied with what, what you have to say. And whether or not they, they it's, it's whether or not they actually they don't like what you're saying or they just don't like you, yeah. you know? And, uh, and I think you also need to not take that personally. Mm -hmm. um, it may just be that they didn't like that you diagnosed their dog with something that they don't want to have to deal with, you know? Um, like that's like nothing you can do to change that, you know? But um, I mean, I think communicating with them about the reality of, of trying to maintain a, like a dog with diabetes, I mean, I think that's uh, really important to make clear how exactly of a commitment it is, um, and that's just one example, but, um, I mean, I think not being able to take, um, I mean, interactions personally and just knowing that, um, you did your best. You know? Yeah. And one thing that I do stand up for heavily is, is, you know, those clients that you just can't satisfy or they don't want the, you know, grim news that you gave, uh, the bad diagnosis, um, at the end of the day, you cannot compromise your moral code, I guess, you know, when you're talking to these people just to satisfy them. I would rather, you know, lay out my truth on the table there and they take it or not. And that is affects them and is on them. Because at the end of the day, I know I was able to communicate all of the needs and what um, what is the best standard of care moving forward. And so just kind of remembering, you know, when you get yourself in a pickle with some, some, uh, challenging clients that, you know, just have your own back and work in a place that has your back. And, uh, another thing too is, is dealing with our support staff getting, you know, yelled at and verbally abused, etc. And so, that's something as a veterinarian in the future, I'm going to try my hardest uh, to make sure that the communication is clear and consistent, that nobody is going to be treated less than. Yeah. And so. 
Yeah, I agree. I think that's a very big issue in the veterinary industry is uh, clients sometimes think they can walk o- all over the staff and uh, technicians especially, I feel like, and receptionists. Uh, and sometimes vets will just let it let it happen, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think it's a new concept for vets to really stand up for for their staff, you know. I agree. And, and, uh, and I, I don't think that's something that should be a new concept. I, I think that that's where our industry is going. I think um, people are leaving the industry because of how they're treated sometimes. And, and sometimes, I mean, that, that isn't any fault of the, the vet clinic or, or the technician that's trying to communicate. But I mean, again, like maybe that technician wasn't communicating in the way that client needed, you know, yeah. and um, maybe you just need to communicate right back that they can go to another vet clinic if that's how they feel. <laughs> You're darn right. You, know? you can walk so, out the door you walked in. <laughs> you know, like it's. Um, I mean, it's a tricky, tricky situation. It is hard. You never want to displease somebody and disappoint them. But at the same time, the biggest injustice would be to yourself Mm -hmm. and your employees who come and risk their lives at your clinic every single day. And, and yes, you know, the pet and their care is super important and everything, but just some decent human respect is also important. And so I think that it's sad that that's a new a new topic coming up in the industry I wish it wouldn't have I mean we've both worked as technicians and have experienced it firsthand and and we've had you know co-workers or management that have stood up for us but there's been times where just nothing happened and you're like I don't know what to say or do and it is really to serve it, it it's not it's not fun uh, to be yelled at especially when you're just trying to do the best you can yeah. so it all comes back down to communication you got to make sure the first person communicates correctly so the people down the line can also relay the message clearly. And something that our school here has been kind of teaching us is to how to deal with those situations. Because Carling and I come from technician backgrounds. And so, I mean, in my clinic, I walked in there, I took the history and everything, took the vitals, and then went and reported to my veterinarian. And he came in and did the physical exams and diagnostics. And so I really did a, most of the appointment uh, start to finish. And so learning to take histories and stuff really happened when I was a technician. And I think that that's something I recommend to anybody. If you can go get a job in a vet clinic, uh, do it because it's only going to help you out, especially here with we get to have these simulated client interactions is what they're called. And so the school brings in some uh, actors to serve as our clients and we're given a case and uh, kind of how we have to go through that. We've got to take histories and everything and, and we're going to be, signalments, correct, yeah, signalment. That. We're going to get more into it yeah. as the semesters come. But I remember the first time reading the paper and it said, introduce yourself as the doctor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so I've got to think with my white coat on. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I'm not the technician anymore. I'm not like, let me go get the doctor and ask him. It's me. My technicians in the future will be coming to me. And so I think that was a flip for me to where I was just kind of like, wow, my communication does have to change. Yeah. You can't just keep it like how you were when you were a technician. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I definitely would punt a lot of things from clients. Yeah. If I didn't know, I'd be like, or I didn't want to deal with it. I'd just be like, well, I'll ask the doctor. 
<laughs> it's and us. And I was like, it's not me. It's not on me anymore. It's not my problem. Um, shout out to Dr. Vega because she really uh, held up my end of the bargain on that one. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, definitely changing your thinking from, from being a technician to being a doctor. You know, you're the one in charge now. You're the one making all the decisions, which is really... I mean, it's exciting, but you realize, like, the weight of what you've taken on at this point whenever you do have those simulated client interactions. You know, when we walk into the room, I'm like, okay, I'm the one that's going to be in charge of, of taking this history, making sure that did I get everything that I needed to get from this client? Did I ask the right questions? And this is what's hard for me about the, um, <laughs> the simulated client interactions is that I go in there and I have, like, everything that I'm trying to remember to ask and how to ask it that I, I sometimes forget to listen yeah. <laughs> to the client. So I, I'm working on that. Um, I feel like at the end of last semester, I was much better at mm-hmm. it. Um, and so hopefully this semester I can only improve. But um, yeah. even even with, with real, when we get, get out into clinics with real people, it may, hopefully it'll be easier. Uh, but I mean, that that's the whole point of practicing, right? That's, that's why you're in school here to practice is to spend the time to mess up, to forget to ask important questions, to not ask a question in the perfect way so that you, when you get out into the real world, you know, you, you can ask those questions in a, in a yeah. well-mannered way where you can actually get information. I agree. I think at the beginning of last semester, everyone's, uh, client interactions were pretty uh, scattered brained everywhere and I'll say as the semester went on we got better each time and something that I struggled with was keeping an order like a mm-hmm. pace to the way I asked things and so ask about past history current but not trying to jumble back and forth between each because I realized in the moment I missed something mm-hmm. that's something that I need to do at the end of after I got everything in the beginning um just kind of recap another thing that is really important is recap, recap. <laughs> ask, ask the clients again just repeat it because sometimes they won't realize they said something or they'll forget and and that triggers something that they can remember that can be very you know important mm-hmm. so we're learning a bunch of cool things here and and it's only going to make us better communicating with our professors classmates um, just future colleagues out there. I think we're going to be pretty cutting edge in the way that we can communicate with people and not feel so much of the white coat, but still get the point across that we're intelligent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and sometimes I definitely don't talk like I'm intelligent. No. Which, I mean, honestly, at, at some point, you don't want to talk to your clients like you're a pure white coat doctor. Yeah. You know, you, you want to kind of... Um, use real people talk yeah. <laughs> about about what what you're trying to get at because they're not going to understand. Now I remember Dr. Mills like two weeks ago at one of our clinical presentations. She was like, "I throw a few of those doctor words out there so that way they feel like I know what I know <laughs> what I'm talking about." But then I then I move on straight on to my people my people words so that they understand what the heck I'm talking about. But and I was like, that's a good little trick. Like, be like, oh, yeah, you got your DVM for something. <laughs> we call those big words like $5 words or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a $50 word. Yeah. Like cranial pancreatic duodenal artery. That's oh, a $50 word. I'm I like that you. one. Yes. It I rolls off the that. tongue very well. But, yeah, $50 <laughs> word for me to remember that. Okay? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I, uh, I think that our client interactions have been pretty unique. And, uh. 
Do you have any other insight from them? Like, has there been a moment you're super nervous or, or, uh, you just didn't know how to ask a question? Like, have you ever been faced? Okay. Let me rephrase. Have you ever been faced with having to talk finances? Mm. Um, not really, not quite. Yeah. So at my clinic that I worked at, I like the the technicians did not know talking about uh, money. Mm-hmm. It was only the vets that were allowed to do that, and that was because uh, I think technicians could make mistakes in mm-hmm. terms of quotes or, or estimates, and and then the clients would get angry, and so uh, they wanted that doctor to put together the estimate that they wanted so that they had everything in in order so that everything could be accounted for. Yeah. Um, so at my clinic, the, the technicians didn't do hardly any of, of the talk about money. Do you feel like you, from your previous experiences and what we'll learn throughout the curriculum, do you have any tips or tricks on how to have better conversations with clients that maybe you've witnessed DVMs or technicians having and you're like, oh man, maybe we shouldn't have talked about that or or something. Is there anything that pops up? Um, I mean, I definitely think I don't know. I can't think of anything right off the I know, it's kind of on the spot. I mean, I think also when you're talking about money or when you're talking about what you're trying to prescribe or or what you want to do in terms of diagnostics, sometimes it comes across differently as the technician versus the vet. Mm -hmm. And and that's something that I learned that I didn't need to take personally whenever I was a technician. Like there was one client that I remember that she would get angry, like that that I as a technician would call on the behalf of my veterinarian asking her questions about when when she can come in or or whatever because she she had a cat with allergy issues Mm -hmm. and and she would just get very upset that that she wasn't talking to the doctor and and it wasn't anything that I was saying like like my doctor would go out and say the exact same thing that that I had just said but it was because it was coming from her you know those Mm -hmm. those three letters after her name somehow in that client's mind made her more important than than me as the technician yeah um which i don't think there's necessarily anything super wrong with that Mm -hmm. but you know i mean having that in the back of your mind whenever you're having those interactions Mm -hmm. as a technician no i mean again not taking anything personally yeah i think some um examples that jump out to me were that um when i was talking about obese patients to their owners and i would talk you know, how do you tell someone you're killing them with food kindly, <laughs> you know, because they're like, I just love them so much. And so having to navigate that is, is a tricky topic and a topic for another day. Um, but communication is key in vet med. I don't think that this industry could survive without strong um, individuals who can communicate clearly. Definitely. I think I think and there's there again, it's a skill that you get better at. So. Uh, if you feel like you're not great at communicating, I mean, just listen to to people that you feel are good communicators and take away from what the, what they're doing and how they're trying to get their point across and maybe steal those little tidbits from them, you know? Yeah, I agree. Well, to wrap up this episode, um, let's talk about something a little more fun. Carling, what is your W or your win for this week? My W for this week is that me and Matt got to go uh, and actually taste the food that we're going to have at our wedding. 
So we have wedding planning under the way. Uh, we got the Matt's favorite part <laughs> out of the way. Uh, he was very excited to go and uh, taste test the food that we were going to have. He was very explicit that for our appetizer, he wanted bacon wrapped quail. It's like the one thing that he wanted. And so I found the caterer that had bacon wrapped quail and they were delicious. And I'm really excited to have them at our wedding. I'm excited to eat them too. That sounds good. (laughs) What Um, about you, Caitlin? What's your W? So my W this week is I've been saving money and cooking at home more and not eating out. Not a... Not succumbing to our Joe Taco <laughs> lunch you. dates anymore. It's or, hard. Or as much. Let's say, like, I'll still go out and, you know, eat with some friends every now and then. But I'm really trying to be better because after some of our VBMA meetings and things talking about finances, I realized I need to kind of set a standard for myself. And that way, as I'm learning to become a better business person, I can also uh, kind of rein in some of yeah. my extracurricular yeah. spending. Mm-hmm. And I think those things are kind of habit, you know, like once they are. you get used to eating out and kind of. Yeah. I love Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I mean, and you can still have that Chick-fil-A, yeah. you know, like n- nothing against it. Agreed. So. Well, we just want to thank you again, listeners, for tuning in this week uh, for DVM Loading Podcast. We are excited for the next one and keep a lookout for us. Yeah. And uh, remember, you can email us at dvmloadingpodcast at gmail.com and send us any comments, questions, or uh, positive things that you have to say for us. And uh, have a good night. Yeah, wreck them. Wreck them.